Hello and welcome to the Bliss Bean Show. I'm your host, Patrice, and on this podcast, we talk about how to design intentional days, create meaningful work, and get more out of life. Welcome back to the show. I hope everyone had a great New Year's. Today, I am back on the podcast and I'm talking to my friend, Madeline Papard. She is currently a college student taking online classes like most students are these days. We both live in Wisconsin, and so we are currently in the darkest part of winter. Looking out my window this morning, literally everything was white, the roads looked slippery, the sky was overcast, and it's actually still early in the winter season, I would say, but our winters are so long, so just knowing that we have months and months of this ahead of us is kind of difficult to deal with. So today we're gonna to be talking about SAD, which is an acronym that stands for Seasonal Affective Disorder. This is a type of depression that's related to changes in the seasons, primarily the winter season because there's less daylight and it's harder to get outside. So Madeline found this great article that I will link in the show notes. So we'll be talking about that as well as her list of 10 things that she's doing to prepare for the winter season. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. We have been planning to do this podcast for such a long time, so I'm so glad to finally have you on here. So I looked through the article that you sent me, and it was from the perspective of a college student, which I thought was particularly relevant to us, especially because the author, she said that people at an added risk of SAD include females, those living far away from the equator, and young adults. So I did not know that. I thought that was pretty surprising. I did not know that both of us were basically like in the in the main group of at-risk people. So then four recommendations that they gave in the article for dealing with seasonal affective disorder were light therapy. So I just want to mention that in episode four, I interviewed some mental health experts and they talked about how you might actually be able to get these specialized light boxes covered by insurance. They also recommended physical exercise, relaxation exercises, so yoga and meditation and things like that, and then medication. Again, episode four was super helpful for this topic. We talked about like affordable ways to find therapy and things like that. So just from those like light therapy, physical exercise, relaxation and medication, did any of those resonate with you or are any of those things that you implement? Um, I do have a light box. Um, I don't use it often, but I actually borrowed it from someone who does use it and says it's helpful. Um, definitely physical exercise, especially that which is outside, is direct exposure to natural vitamin D, which is one of the antidotes to seasonal affective disorder. Medication is not something that we on this podcast can prescribe to the listener, <laughs> but um, if it, if it's worse than just making a list of 10 things and applying those 10 things to your life, then it's definitely worth talking to your doctor about. Also, if it prolongs past a certain season, then it might not be mm. seasonal affective disorder anymore. It might be depression or anxiety or any, honestly, number of things that aren't just seasonal affective disorder. So I think we already previewed a bunch of the things on your list of 10 things you're doing to prepare. So we're just going to go through that list. Do you want to share the first thing that you wrote down? Yeah, I made a list of 10 things in my notes app on my phone just to look at whenever. I think they're um, both prevention and adaptation techniques to seasonal affective disorder. It's something that I've kind of encountered most winter since I was probably in middle school. So 
back then it had some shock value. Now it's just like a part of life and not, I don't mean that in like a sullen way. It's just like, that's actually a good thing because now I like know what to do. Whereas back then Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what it was. The more information there is out there, the more I'm willing to prepare with lists like these. So let's get into it. So (laughs) love that intro. (laughs) So number one is keeping a clean space. This like came to my mind first for a reason. They say a cluttered room is a cluttered mind, and Mm. I would have to agree with that, especially if you're someone who is pretty creative and gets random, like, busts of energy that just Mm. make you want to, like, tidy up your space, like, take advantage of that. Um, There's definitely, like, a very exhaustive effect of having a messy space, and that's not just for, like, your bedroom, that's also for your desk, or your computer desktop, or your phone, Mm -hmm. like, do you have unnecessary apps on your phone that you could just delete? Do you have, um, like, a messy pantry that you could clean up? Cleaning anything can be really helpful, again, like, don't put too much pressure on yourself, because obviously a, a symptom of seasonal affective disorder is lack of desire to take care of normal things, which include cleaning, and that's why it often goes neglected. But that's why seizing those moments when you really want to keep a clean space is really important. Yeah, my mind is just immediately, like, flicking through all the videos of mine that I can recommend. (laughs) So I'll put a bunch of videos in the show notes, but I think most Blissbean viewers have probably seen my decluttering video. Oh, yeah. Or my closet decluttering video, or, like, the digital minimalism video. It is really so helpful to just take a little bit of time and just completely clean out an area of your life, because then after that, it only takes a little bit of maintenance. And like you said, trying to take advantage of when you actually feel inspired to clean. I also would recommend, like, when I'm working, I take little breaks, and so sometimes during those breaks, I'll just go around my room and like pick up some clothing or put some stuff back in my drawers or whatever and those little bits really add up because then you never get to the state where your room is just a disaster zone and it's actually overwhelming to clean you can really like stay on top of um keeping order in your room i also wanted to mention i keep talking about the minimalist podcast i'm a huge fan of their podcast and they recently released a new documentary called less is now so if this topic interests anyone that's a really cool movie to check out it's on netflix i have a question for you yes Um, do you recommend listening to music or podcasts while you're cleaning does that help you or does it make you more overwhelmed hmm so i i am the type of person who often feels overwhelmed by music like i can't work while listening to music a lot, sometimes, honestly, I'll drive without music if I'm if I'm <laughs> my mind is really busy. Um, but I think when I'm cleaning, I do like music. I find it motivating. I don't know if I could focus on a podcast though. What about you? Um, yeah, I honestly like if I don't listen to music while I'm cleaning, or at least like sing to myself, I get mm. bored very easily. So again, like if if music is something that helps you, like get motivated to clean, then definitely take advantage of it. But it's not for everybody, so that's interesting. Yeah, take it with a grain of salt. (laughs) Grain of salt. You ready? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we're ready for number two. So this second one is rooting rooting myself in my faith slash spirituality. Now, this can mean a number of things. Um, In a non-pandemic world, worship services are an important part of my week. So if you're a person that normally attends stuff like that, it is kind of like a crazy transition from post-pandemic to it, from pandemic to post-pandemic world. Mm-hmm. Um especially if that's something that just like going to school is like part of your week. 
But even if you're not a person who attends worship services or things of that nature, connecting to something greater than yourself is really important right now. Especially when you're in your own individual space, it can really feel like it's you against the world, but that's not really what's happening. It's It may feel like that, but on the other end of things is just that knowing that everyone around you is kind of fighting the same battle as you, maybe in different, very, very different ways. Like, I'm not going to say that, you know, the healthcare worker and the teacher and the barista and um, the stay-at-home parent is, like, fighting the same battle, but it's still the same pandemic that we're all in Mm -hmm. so just being rooted to something bigger than yourself um whether that's a community or anything like that is really really important i have been listening to this podcast lately called the 10 percent happier podcast and one of the things they talked about was this meditation called the loving kindness meditation have you ever tried that i have I really like it. So for anyone who's never done it, you can probably find a guided meditation on any meditation app or YouTube or whatever. But it's basically like a set of phrases like, may I be happy? May I be at peace? May I be healthy? And things like that. And then you repeat that, but you wish it like you wish those phrases for someone that you love and then for your neighborhood and then for the entire world. And so it's like you start with this place of self-love and then you expand it and you expand it more. And it's just feels so powerful like it sounds cheesy but this stuff really works really works (laughs) or your money back (laughs) try 10 days free um number three um this one's a long one but honestly maybe one of the most important ones here at least for me personally substituting time on social media for time reading or doing creative activities and um this one's a little bit tricky because Social media has very different effects on very different people. For some Mm -hmm. people, it's the only thing that's helping them feel connected right now. Um, So obviously, like, if that's how you communicate with your friends, you know yourself. Like, don't log off all your social media accounts (laughs) if that is honestly helping your mental health. But I'd say for most people I talk to, it has not been a bad idea to just kind of log off for a month a week, or even just a day. Just taking time and substituting time that you would spend on your phone or any of your social media accounts and um, digging into your creative side. Um, For me, I've been writing, I've been filling up journals with poems lately just for fun and um, discovering more about myself. Also, um, reading for fun is something, is like a lost art between middle school and college, (laughs) I feel like. All these, like, literature classes that we take kind of are good in their own respect. But it's also important to read for fun in place of time on social media. And by the way, this isn't like an all or nothing thing. Like, I, Mm -hmm. I did choose to log off of social media for the month of December, and I actually found a lot of benefits. But I'm not telling, you know, the listener to quit everything and cut off all contact with all contacts. Mm -hmm. Um, It can just be even, like, deleting one app that you don't really use, you know? Yeah, I really like what you said at the beginning, that social media has different effects on different people. I literally put that, like, in my notes for this podcast, Mm -hmm. because for me, I've noticed that I find it too easy for some reason, especially in this quarantine, to just completely like disconnect, like mm-hmm. stop replying to people, <laughs> stop answering emails, and then like the emails and the messages pile up, and then I get overwhelmed, so I continue to stay away, and then it's just like this bad cycle. Interesting. So for me, 
trying to stay connected and trying to stay participating in social media has actually been really helpful. But of course, that includes using it in a mindful way. So for example, like on Instagram, I just checked in preparation for this podcast. I think I'm currently following about 150 people. A lot of them are my friends, people I know in real life. I'm constantly unfollowing people, not necessarily because I don't enjoy their content, but like as soon as those comparisonitis bells ring in my head and I feel bad looking at whatever they're posting, I just unfollow. And so currently from the accounts that I'm following, if I scroll through my feed, I try not to go to the explore page, but if I scroll through posts from people I'm following, if I look through stories, I genuinely enjoy it and I feel connected in a way. So just like you said, it's not all or nothing. It's different for everyone. But I think the the conclusion from this is just don't use social media in a mindless way. Like think about how does it affect you? How are you using it? And then you can make it into a positive thing in your life. For number four, um, I put exercising daily and going for an afternoon walk. Now talk to any health professional, any professor, any person who is even not in a health profession in America, and they will probably list this as one of their antidotes to any mental disorder or issue at all. And that's just because your body moving is very, um, has a direct relationship with your mental health. It's just movement, you know, in general. Um, so for me, that means I, like, do little exercise intervals three times a day for five minutes, and then I also go for an afternoon walk. And I do try to balance um, being outside with indoor exercises. That's just because of, one, like, the natural light being important to prevention of further effects of seasonal affective disorder, as well as um, just, like, exercising throughout the day I've found to be a lot better than the mentality of, okay, I'm just going to do this and get this over with and not think about it the rest of the day, um, which is, a, I feel like, a mentality that I used to bring towards exercising but like now that I'm kind of alone I just kind of do it to enjoy it almost I I, I think enjoy is maybe a little bit of a strong word but like <laughs> it's definitely more enjoyable when I'm pacing myself throughout the day um now if you're someone who isn't like doesn't really let's say you're at home and you're working like all the time and you are stressed about this because you can't find time throughout the day to exercise a lot of people say like even like 10 jumping jacks every hour if you're just sitting at your desk is very very helpful to combat a lot of these effects because you know sitting at a desk during the winter is probably a big risk factor for seasonal affective disorder so again like the social media comparison it's everything in moderation um that that's what works for me but um everyone benefits from different types of exercises I like what you said about not not just doing it in a way where you're like, I have to do this, so I have to force myself to do this, and then I'll get it over with, but then I have to do it again tomorrow, and just not looking at it as something to dread, which of course is easier said than done, but once again, I'm going to refer to the 10% Happier podcast, because they were talking about intuitive eating and exercise recently, and one of like the antidotes that they mentioned to having that sort of attitude regarding exercise is that when you're exercising in the moment like think to yourself or literally say to yourself like be grateful for what your body can do and for the good effects that you're going to get from that and just like flipping that switch in your brain in the moment of exercise i think is really helpful 
I also have been finding it helpful to try and like adjust what I consider as exercise or sort of expanding my definition because I feel like I used to um, be stricter with myself in a way that made exercise less enjoyable for me. Whereas now I've been getting into stuff like going on a lot more walks with my family, just like you. And that is so much fun and it feels so good to get outside. Or I've also been playing a lot of Just Dance, which is so fun. We talked earlier about how powerful music can be. So just dancing to music and getting some exercise at the same time is like magic. Um, And also I wanted to point out that I really like the term of calling it movement rather than like exercise or working out because I feel like for a lot of people that has connotations of that you know of that dreaded thing that you have to do every day that very structured rigid routine and at the end of the day like it's just movement it's just moving your body whether that is dancing or walking or doing jumping jacks at your desk whatever it is yeah movement or even um Physical activity and exercise are actually two different things, and I didn't actually know that until I took a health class this fall. How are they different? Physical activity is just just that. It's it's physical activity. Like any type of, um, like you said, movement. Um, exercise, I agree, definitely has a connotation of being like something you have to do. Like Yeah, especially workout. I don't like that Ooh, word. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. Workout makes me think of, like, um, lifting 80-pound weights at a gym or, like, something like that. that yeah, getting I ripped. personally <laughs> have never done in my life. <laughs> so, number five, and this one's important, trying to keep a consistent sleep schedule. And that's another kind of, I think, one that can get some eye rolls from because we all know we should do it, but do we? So it's recommended for, I think, for teenagers to get no more or no less than 10 hours of sleep a night, which is pretty strict if you think about it. But like developmentally, it does make a lot of sense. And one thing I thought was interesting when reading about sleep from classes I've taken in the past in psychology and just articles I've read in general is that even if you go to bed super late and wake up super late, going to bed at a consistent time is really helpful. Instead of going to bed at like 10 a.m. this night, or sorry, 10 p.m. this night. <gasps> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> midnight the next night, 4 a.m. the next night, and 10 p.m. the next night. If you're gonna go to bed at midnight, just like make that agreement with yourself. Like, mm-hmm. I will go to bed at midnight every night because then your body gets its own cycle. And even if like, eventually I wanna be the person who goes to bed, like lights out at 9 p.m., then you can get there, but like it's baby steps. They also say, like, if you are looking for specific times, they say, like, wake up with your cat. I don't have a cat, but apparently a lot of cats wake up at 7 a.m. Oh, okay. Is it according to when the sun rises or just 7 a.m. always? Ooh, that's, that would have been a good thing to research. <laughs> Let's call him the, our cat expert. <laughs> can I, can I uh, phone a friend? <laughs> um, yeah, and again, it's not something to stress about too much. I think it's well known that, like, blue light right before you go to bed isn't exactly helpful. So a big part of establishing a consistent sleep schedule is a pre-bedtime routine that just works for you. Maybe it's reading, maybe it's drinking tea, maybe it's stretching, or maybe it's doing the meditations we were talking about earlier. But anything that kind of calms your mind. We I did an episode a little while back with Minji of the skincare brand Softly, and she actually said that she talked to like their resident skin doctor like specialist and he said that he believes that 
80% of skincare is sleep, the quality mm. sleep. And that blew my mind. Like, I I feel like I just learned more and more about how important sleep is. And I really did not listen to that advice in high school. But I have been doing better on it lately. Two things that help me. One is not drinking caffeine after noon. So I've been experimenting with drinking it, like, shortly before noon to try and overcome that annoying afternoon slump. But if I drink it after, like afternoon, evening, then I'm just anxious when I go to bed and that does not work. I can't fall asleep. Um, And then another thing is I always hear people saying that a slightly lower room temperature is good for quality sleep. And so something that I like to do is just like open, it is winter, but open my window for just a few minutes before I go to bed so that when I get into bed, it's all nice and cold and then I can get cozy with my blankets and then it's just easier to fall asleep. And I've also been trying to track my sleep. So two apps that I can recommend that I've been using, one is Auto Sleep, which I mainly use for tracking the actual sleep. And then there's this other cool one called Rise, where it shows you based on how you slept what your energy levels are going to be like throughout the day so when you hit your morning peak your afternoon dip evening peak etc um and those i feel like they almost gamify sleep like you know how they gamify language learning so that you're more motivated to study i feel (laughs) like tracking the numbers gamify sleep and you're like i'm gonna get more hours i'm gonna reduce my sleep debt and it actually makes it kind of fun (laughs) Mm mm-hmm That's awesome. So number six is finding a community and fellowship. And this one is probably the most difficult of them for right now um, because we cannot gather as we once did. And um, this is this could be kind of tied into also just like finding something that's bigger than yourself or just keeping a contact with your friends and family, which is all very tricky right now, especially if you don't live near your family or you don't live with certain members of your family. Finding ways to stay in touch with people is very important. And that's where, you know, the social media dichotomy kind of splits because it's, it's about balance, but it's also about connection. And finding a community, even if it's online, is still a community. I think humans are better off seeing people in person, but making it a goal to like FaceTime a friend or um, even just sending a a text to a person or sending out thank you notes. And when I say thank you notes, I don't mean for anything specific, just like um, notes of gratitude to people you care about is a good way to stay connected and um, sort of forge a community when we, we can't gather as we once did. I think it's been really nice to organize things with friends. So like, Me and you were recently part of that Secret Santa gift exchange, and then I think we're planning on doing like a Netflix simultaneous viewing night, and all of those things are just so much fun. I feel like for me, I find one-on-one conversations a little bit draining sometimes, and so I think it's really nice to just sometimes be a part of like a big Zoom call and a part of a group and just be able to listen to the conversations happening and feel like I'm part of the group without... A ton of pressure um, feeling like I have to contribute something to the conversation so it's really just a matter of like finding the initiative to organize those things because I, I feel like everyone's struggling to to find the motivation to do that so if just like one person in the friend group goes ahead and does that it really makes such a difference yeah 
Number seven is making a list of activities and affirmations to keep in my phone. Now, those are two different things, and I'll pack them one by one. So as a veteran of seasonal affective disorder, um, I know from experience what helps me. So this list of 10 things kind of did take a while to sort of experiment and figure out what is best. But um, this list is, one, a result of, like, conversation notes, but also just writing down in my, even in your notes app, like, your notes app can be your best friend sometimes. Um, If you're out and about and you think of something that helps you, but like me, you're forgetful and you don't remember when you get home. So yeah, making a list of activities um, to keep in your phone to do when you're feeling a certain way is very, very helpful. Writing things down in general is helpful. Like if you're a person who keeps a planner with you, it doesn't have to be in your notes app. It can be, what's it called? Tangible. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Affirmations is something that I only really did recently. It's just things that I need to hear in certain situations and that's Also, like, I keep that in my notes app and in journals I have at home. Um, And that's just, like, writing things down for my future self or um, when I'm struggling, especially in the winter. Just things that I would need to hear or maybe things other people might need to hear in case they, I'm ever with someone and they're feeling a certain way. Yeah, I love affirmations. I have been trying this app recently. Another app recommendation coming up, it's called I Am Affirmations, and so I really like it because it delivers notifications with, like, random affirmations. You can select the themes of affirmations that you want. There's different categories, but so I really like getting the affirmations on my watch throughout the day, and I've noticed that the the longer I went with this app, the easier it got to just, like, ignore the notification. Like, my my watch would buzz, and I check it, and I see it's an affirmation. I'm just like, oh, it's not important, and I just ignore it. But so I've been trying to force myself to read it and actually say it out loud, and that has been really, really helpful because when you say it out loud, there's some kind of magic that happens. You start to believe what it actually says. Yeah, they say the same thing about, like, um, smiling at yourself on bad days, Mm. like, forging, (laughs) in general, it's not good to, like, fake a happy emotion when you're not feeling that way, um, because you want to be honest with yourself, but if you have the, um, time or energy to, I've been told that, like, in the morning when you're feeling rough, or maybe you had, maybe you didn't get super good sleep, or any number of things that you could be stressed about, just going and when you go to brush your teeth, just look at yourself in the mirror and just, like, watch yourself smile. You know, your brain processes that as happiness. Number eight is seeing a therapist. So, um, therapy has had different levels of importance to me throughout different times of my life. Um, but I think as of right now, I'm definitely on an upward trend with this type of thing. Um, I, I'd say personally, I think once a month even is enough for me right now. That was a very different story when I was in high school. But, um, yeah, if you're someone who sees a therapist regularly and you find that that helps, definitely continue that because they are trained in how to talk to people with certain disorders. So they can help you work through things that are very personal and individual that might be triggers for seasonal affective disorder or anything like that. And um, if you're not currently seeing a therapist and you're interested, sometimes your healthcare provider can recommend one for you or um, 
sometimes if you if you attend a university, there's usually a psychologist on campus or any um, high schools also have, you know, a mandatory psychologist. So if that's something you want to do or also um, there's also group therapy, not really meeting right now, but uh, if that's something you're interested in in the future, there are a lot of places that have that type of thing. I would definitely recommend Amy Lee's YouTube channel. When I was thinking about starting therapy, I watched her video that I think was called like why I started therapy or something like that. And it was really helpful to just help me understand why therapy is helpful and beneficial. I started doing it last fall, I believe. And it really is so nice to just like get personalized help and be able to explain everything to someone and not really have to hide anything even if you know a therapist can't always necessarily quote unquote solve your problems there's just something about you know taking an hour every week or every month or so and just taking that time for yourself and being like this is something that I'm doing for my mental health and for me when things were the worst last year it was so nice to have that on my calendar just like as an anchor because you know like the days kind of blend together these days everything feels the same and if you get stuck in a pattern it's hard to snap yourself out of it and so I found therapy very helpful with that so sometimes these days she'll be like okay so do you want to schedule your next appointment for in two weeks and I'm like no I want to talk to you in a week (laughs) I'm not gonna wait (laughs) next week please Um, number nine is getting enough vitamin D, and that is a very straightforward sentence, so let's talk about it a little bit. Um, well, natural vitamin D usually comes from sunlight, and, um, it is difficult with shorter days and colder days to kind of get the natural vitamin D that your body needs in, um, a proper capacity. So, um, my mother makes my brothers and I sort of take this over-the-counter, like, vitamin D pill. Again, like, I'm not in a position to give medical advice, but I, it it helps. It definitely does. Um, so if it's something that you kind of want to discuss with your doctor, um, I think it's vitamin D3. Also, you know, like I said, even getting outside in some capacity during the day, even if it's just to go get your mail, like, that is still better than nothing. Yes, I've also been taking vitamin D supplements. I believe it is a fat-soluble vitamin, so you can't, like, pee out the extra that you take. Good like, if to you know. take too much. So it's something to possibly, like, consult a doctor, maybe take a blood test. Um, but just thinking about it is really important. However way you get it, make sure you are getting enough, because it really affects a lot of things this season. Absolutely. Um, for number 10, I have being patient and trusting the process. And these may sound like cliches, but in reality, I think they're probably the most important out of all of these. With seasonal affective disorder, it can make um, people really just want to get rid of it right away. But in reality, like, that's, that doesn't work. Even with a therapist, like, it takes time and um, effort, of course, to apply these things into your life and really internalizing them as well. If one of these things doesn't work for you or me, it can be easy to say, this, this is a sham. Like this is, this is not helpful. Um, But in reality, like habits take about 21 days to form. I'm sure you've done many talks about that. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, again, like even putting effort into one of these and making that your priority can be very helpful. Trusting the process is just in relation to knowing that results aren't going to happen overnight. Um, and if these sound really difficult for you to do, like if you're thinking to yourself, wow, I literally do not have any time or energy to exercise, for example, or um, improve my nutrition, that might be an indicator that it's that you're mentally exhausted and drained. Mm. And that's when it's very important to seek uh, medical help. Because I know for some people who are very deep in their um, any type of mental issue, it can be difficult to get out of bed. And that is that is when it's time to definitely consult a doctor. Um, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It happens to more people than you might realize. So that's part of trusting the process too, just knowing yourself and um, being prepared to do whatever it takes to prioritize that time that you set aside each week to devote to improving your mental health and your physical health and your well-being holistically. (laughs) Well-rounded. That's a great note to end it on. So we're going to move on to the lightning round where I ask three quick kind of fun questions. So the first one is, do you have a favorite quote to share with us? Um, ooh, so I think in 2016, my mom and I snuck into the UW Madison commencement ceremony. Um, we didn't have anyone graduating, but we both wanted to see commencement <laughs> speaker Russell Wilson speak. And he, his theme for the speech was um, basically about his father who had um, passed on and the advice he'd given him. And the quote he said was, potential just means you haven't done it yet. I think about this a lot, like when people say like, oh, you have so much potential and um, Patricia and I both um, have a little bit of an Enneagram 3 in us. She is a 3-wing 4, and I'm a 4-wing 3. And so um, the th- type 3 is the achiever. And so I think about that a-, a lot in relation to potential just means you haven't done it yet. I just really, that really stuck with me, especially now with this year possibly looking different with the vaccine. I feel like that is a good um, antidote to sort of come into this year. What about, do you have any New Year's resolutions that you've set? Oh my goodness. I do. Um, probably more informal. I, I definitely want to floss more. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to limit my screen time and I want to eat less meat and dairy. Not totally com- like completely erase it from my diet, but just less. And the last question is going to be a surprise to you because you told me to just come up with one. <laughs> so I did. Wow. Uh, this this might not be possible to answer, but we are both big fans of The Office. What is your favorite episode of The Office, or just one you really like if you can't choose? Season 7, episode 10, China. It is so funny to me, and I and this is probably not a very popular answer, just because it's like kind of random and doesn't really have to do with a plot, but it's the episode where Oscar debates Michael on modern Chinese issues. <laughs> And, like, (laughs) I just think it's so funny because everyone helps Michael prepare to, um, like, verbally debate Oscar, who's the smartest guy in the office, and I just find something about it so funny. Um, Also, it's just, like, one of the last episodes that Steve Carell is in, and so that's why it's kind of poignant for me. Um, I also like um, Classy Christmas and, of course, um, Casino Night. 
Oh my gosh, these are also great. <laughs> yeah. I have to find season seven, episode ten on Peacock now. Yeah. It's no longer on Netflix. So serious. Can I ask what's your favorite? <laughs> um I've been I don't have a favorite, but I will say I've been rewatching all the Christmas ones. Mm-hmm. Like during the holiday season, I found a post on Reddit where someone listed all the Christmas parties and I just watched all of them <laughs> over and over. That's <laughs> so awesome. good. It's like so comforting. Oh yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was so great to talk to you, even though we talk already every week so much, but <laughs> talk on the podcast this time for other people to hear our amazing thoughts and insights. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Patrice. Three takeaways from today's episode. First of all, these 10 tips that we talked about are all really great ways to help yourself prepare and deal with sad. But Madeline and I, we are not doctors, sadly, so we cannot give you individualized advice. It can be very helpful to talk to your own doctor who might be able to prescribe medication or a light box, refer you to a therapist, or give you tests to figure out if you're deficient in any key vitamins like vitamin D. So please do not hesitate to reach out to them in addition to seeking out advice like this for things that you can do by yourself. Second, I think acceptance was an important theme of this episode. So Madeline talked about how she's been experiencing sad for some years. And now that she basically knows that it's going to be something that she has to deal with every winter, that has allowed her to prepare for it in a proactive way. And similarly, I think when a lot of people first start struggling with sad, they want to find some magic fix that will make it go away. But unfortunately, it is a process and there's probably not just going to be one thing that makes it better. It is a combination of different things. And so acceptance of your situation and where you're at, I think, is a really important first step to take. Finally, remember that not everything on this list will work for you and neither should you feel like you have to adopt every item on this list that would probably be very overwhelming. So what you can do is maybe just pick one thing at a time to focus on and also remember to take baby steps. So for example, with the exercise idea, if you do not currently have an exercise routine or a physical activity or movement routine, like we talked about the other terms, you'll probably want to start with just short walks or getting up to do jumping jacks while you're working. Little tiny things like that. For today's action of the day, I would definitely encourage you to make your own list. So this list that we went over was Madeline's personal list. As we were going through it, I definitely found that some things sounded more helpful to me personally than other things. So not all of the techniques we talked about will work for you, but you can make your own personalized plan, kind of like a toolkit that you can refer to this season. For Blissbean updates, one of the items on the list was finding community and fellowship. And so speaking of places that you can find community and fellowship, the Blissbean recently created this new community on Vibly that you can join. Vibly is an app that you can download and you can join the specific Bliss Bean community. So basically everyone in there is viewers and listeners and watchers of the Bliss Bean. There's going to be weekly challenges that I host. So the first week's challenge was share your top five New Year's goals with us. There is a section for all sorts of different group chats about different topics that you might be interested in. There's a chat for people to talk about books, one about food, one about mental health, one for people to just find friends. 
I've been lurking in the group chats and it's so exciting to see you guys connecting. I mean, I've seen people organizing different group chats for different languages that they're learning. I personally participated in one about personality types like the Enneagram and the Myers-Briggs test. You can even host meetups, so hopefully one day soon we'll be able to have in-person meetups, but for the time being, we're actually going to be having a vision boarding digital meetup soon, so I'm so excited for that. So many exciting things are happening on that group. If you're interested in joining it, the link to join is in the show notes. And finally, one recommendation to finish out this episode is I am currently on day two of this 21-day meditation challenge on the 10% Happier app. So if you want to meditate alongside me, it's been a pretty good quality challenge so far, so I definitely recommend it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, and we'll talk next week. Bye! If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about The Bliss Bean and connect with me on YouTube and Instagram at TheBlissBean and TheBlissBean.com. If you'd like to sign up to receive the show notes in your inbox every Wednesday morning, that's TheBlissBean.com slash podcast. If you have a listener question, comment, or suggestion, you can send a voice memo to hello at TheBlissBean.com. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.